Well, welcome back, Bible readers. This is the Rooted Podcast, and we are in week. Um, I had it written down, <laughs> but I can't remember <laughs> what it was. Um, we are in the month of uh, October, I think. Are yeah, we in October? Right. Absolutely. Getting closer and closer yeah. to the end of the year. Um, we're going to be talking the next two weeks through the Book of Romans. And then after Romans, we'll have about four or five weeks as we read systematically through the Psalms. Um, so that's what's on tap um, for the next couple of months. And then we'll have a final reading of like mm-hmm. two weeks up through the holidays about the prophecies of Jesus, about the birth of Jesus, all those types of things. There's some special reading uh, getting to the end of the year. Um, but today we got to talk about Romans, the first Seven chapters, I think, is what's for today, uh, next week, 8 through 16. And I hope just at the beginning that you out there understand that there's no way that we can cover all of Romans chapter 7 effectively within the small 30-minute spam. I have volumes and series Mm. on my shelf of men who've written books and books and books just on Romans chapter 1 or Romans chapter 2 or 3. So you realize that this is Paul's magnum opus. This is his his uh, tour de force, we might say, mm-hmm. his uh, uh, theological masterpiece. And so um, Romans really gets it all. It covers everything mm-hmm. um, about our salvation, about our Christian life, and it's just he just decided to put it all into one. Mm-hmm. To a church here, the church at Rome, mm-hmm. that he never got a chance to visit. Yeah. And uh, he wrote this to them, of course, not knowing that he would be in prison later on, but uh, he wrote this to them not long after um, the book of Galatians was written. We talked right. about Galatians um, last week. And so I think there's probably about eight to nine years between when Paul wrote Galatians and when he writes Romans. So that's just to give you a time frame. Um, so he kind of expands really a little bit more on on Galatians. Of course, he wrote some other books in between that, those times as well. Mm-hmm. Um, he was a busy man. Oh, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> much, much busier. So Romans, Romans chapter 1 through 7. Mm-hmm. Um, what um, do we need to talk about? Actually, let me tell you one story real quick before we get into it. I remember this. In college, I took the book of Romans, and we'd stay through the whole thing. And then at the end, the final exam, we were all nervous, like, what's going to be the final exam? It's going to be a hard exam of the Romans. (laughs) And the professor said, okay, you need to bring two blue books. And most of you who are older out there know what a blue book is. It's just empty paper where you write your essays. Um, He says, bring two. We were like, oh, man, this is going to be a bad exam. He said, bring two. And okay, so we brought two in. We came to, to the class that day, and he says, okay, this is your question. You only have one question. And we were all you know, friend, what in the world? This is your one question. He says, I want you to do this. Use the two blue books, and you have an hour and a half. He says, I want you to explain the book of Romans to me. And we're like, what? <laughs> explain the book of Romans. So I started writing, and I don't didn't stop until I heard the bell ring and just kept writing and writing and writing. And, writing. and my hand was so tired from that. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're not going to do that today for you because we don't have nearly that <laughs> amount of time. And, and honestly, I can't even remember what I wrote, you know, 20 years ago doing that. Uh, but there's a lot here in the book of Romans yeah. um, for us to talk about. So, you know, just in general, Bill, what what is like the most important part? Like, like Let me just ask the question, why is Romans such a big deal for a believer. It's a hard book. There's a lot of yeah, theology lot in here, of theology. and sometimes yeah. we avoid that. But what is what is the good benefit that we can tell our readers out there 
for Romans. Well, actually, whenever <coughs> excuse me, whenever Paul starts, I, I love I love how he starts out. You know that he's a servant. He's been called and yeah. he's uh, been set apart uh, uh, to be able to share the gospel, and that's what it's all about is the gospel. Uh, but he, he shares about the Gentiles, and he shares about the Jews, and he puts all of this stuff together, and then he brings it all down to the fact that we are all in this together. We're all one, and uh, that, uh, you know, we're, we all sin, and we've all come short, and uh, that Jesus is the answer. Yeah. And uh, he goes through all that, and through this theology, he, he takes it step by step as he goes through this. Uh but the, the main thing is that Jesus is the answer. He yeah. is the one. And, and he's all over the, the book of Romans. Yeah. And uh, for Paul, the important thing was to associate Jesus as the Messiah. Messiah. Because remember, the people he's writing to knew the Old Testament, didn't have, you know, some of the New Testament books weren't, mm-hmm. they were written, but they weren't out and available like they would be for us today. So they had the Old Testament, so he used a lot of it. And I like what it says. You know, I remember this being here in the very first couple of verses of Romans, mm-hmm. but I just had forgotten it was here. Yeah. And my translation, I like what this says in verse 2 of chapter 1. It says, God yeah. promised this good news long ago through the prophets mm-hmm. in His holy scriptures. The good news is about His Son. Yeah. In His earthly life, He was born into King David's family line. I like that. Yeah. And He was shown to be the Son of God when He was raised from the dead by the power of the, the holy, holy Spirit. Spirit. And in mine says, he is Jesus Christ, our Lord. Absolutely. I love the way that introduction yeah, is. A, and, and he kind of sets it out. He says, like you said, it's about Jesus. It's about Jesus. That's what it is. And so as you read the first classic three chapters of Romans, Paul systematically you know, says, you know, the Gentiles, they're guilty of sin just like anybody else. And you know, chapter 2, the Jews, lest you think that you're special because God has chosen you, you're still guilty. And it's kind of like as you get towards chapter 3, Paul says, in case I forgot anybody else. Yeah, let's throw you in there too. Let's throw you in there too so that everybody, yeah. everybody is guilty. Now, yeah. is there, a, is there a, a verse that you like in these first couple of chapters, Bill, that's one of your favorites maybe? Um, well, I like when, when Paul is talking about going to visit Rome, you know, he said, yeah. I have a desire to be there. You know, Paul hadn't seen these people. He hadn't talked to them, but yeah. he still had that burning desire to go to them and to be with them. And he said he wanted to go for the mutual encouragement mm. for uh, them to encourage him and him to encourage them. Uh, so, you know, he put himself right in there with them. And, you know, it's it's really great whenever you have a leader who includes himself as part Yes. You know, of the people. Right. And he doesn't put himself above everybody, you know. And Paul didn't do that. But Paul did tell them, <laughs> you know, in verse 15 of the first uh, chapter, he says, I'm eager. I'm eager to come and preach to you. I want to yeah. preach to you the gospel and tell you about Jesus Christ. And he said, because I'm not ashamed. I am not mm. ashamed of the gospel. Yeah. And he said, because it's the power of God unto salvation. To the Jew first and then also to the Greek or the Gentile. And he said, the righteous shall live by faith. And that's that key verse to the book of Romans. I mean, uh, I think many would say, you know, Mm -hmm. verses 16 and 17 is really the key to the entire book. Um, For I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus is the power of God. And, of course, the gospel and how Jesus is part of it is all what Romans Romans is about. And, Mm -hmm. you know, he, like I said, in the first couple of chapters here, he goes through and, um, 
systematically dismantles any thinking or any arguments mm-hmm. or any supposed arguments where people would say, well, you know, this doesn't pertain to me. You know, I am not a sinner. I am not this. And, and what, what I find interesting, before ever an offer of salvation is made, because not until chapter 3, verse 21, 21. does he really ever talk about how the sin problem can be fixed. So he takes three chapters to show that there is a need for a savior. Mm-hmm. He takes three chapters with sin, you know, and if he spends so much time explaining to us the sin problem before he even gets to salvation. salvation, like that's a big deal. Yeah. And he again, he's systematically trying to make sure that everyone is included because you can't accept Jesus as your savior if you don't Jesus. first realize that you're a sinner that's and right. you need him. Absolutely. And so he wants to make sure that everybody knows, like you said earlier, the whole world needs him. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I find it interesting as he kind of goes through those different groups and systematically um, just kind of dismantles, especially the Jewish mind who would think, oh, we have the law. You know, that escapes yeah. us from punishment and judgment. But no, Paul basically goes through and says, no, no. Well, no, he, no. he talks about the law, doesn't he? He yeah, does. He really brings it out. Yeah, in, in, in uh, chapter two, he talks a, uh, quite a bit about that. Um, and I, I like that what he says in chapter 3, verse 9, he says, What then? Should we conclude that we Jews are better than others? Mm. No, not at all. For we have already shown that all people, whether Jews or, or Gentiles, Jews. are under the power of sin. sin. Right. And, of course, no one, no one is righteous. Yeah, no, not yeah, one. Right. No one is wise. You so know, that, and I like how the Apostle Paul keeps asking him these questions. Yeah. You know, he asks a lot of questions. <laughs> and, and I think like Jesus it, did, right? A, yeah. I think it's so that uh, people would actually stop and think and uh, do good for us whenever we're reading Scripture to ask ourselves questions as we read Scripture. Yeah, I find the psalmist does that a lot, too. Yeah. He asks questions. Yeah. Um, and those rhetorical questions are good because they help, um, they help explain or excuse me, they help us search. search. Yeah, and yeah. Jesus did that a lot. He would ask. He wouldn't really give answers to his disciples. It's, it's like he would ask them questions again mm-hmm. to help them. He says, I don't want to give you the answer. I want you to come to the answer. And that's what Paul is saying through his argument. Mm-hmm. And, of course, Paul, you know, he, he, I would call him a lawyer today. I mean, the way he argues with things, <laughs> the way he's able to present yeah. his case because he does so on so many occasions, presents his case. And like his case here is the case is that everybody's guilty, but there's a solution. And that's the good thing. And, you know, you've probably heard many of the uh, series through Romans, the the famous buts in the Bible. Uh-huh. Yeah, <laughs> it's, and, you know, there are several here, um, especially in verse 21, but now God has shown us a way to be made right with him. him. Yeah. And, uh, and without keeping the requirements of the law. And that way is through Jesus. And that way, uh, and that's what we use when we talk about the term being justified, that's what we talk about, being Mm -hmm. declared righteous before God. And so as a result of our sin, Christ has paid for our sin, and now we are declared, some translations say may, I like declared, sounds better. Yeah, I think so. Declared righteous. Mm -hmm. But that doesn't mean that our life is finished. And it's all through faith. Yeah. I mean, it's what he tells us there, you know, in verse 22, you know, the righteousness of God. Uh, the righteousness of God is through faith in Jesus Christ. And that's why he and, gives that example you know, of Abraham, too. Yeah. Because right. Abraham was one who um, believed. believed by faith yeah. uh, in the Old Testament. And he gives that illustration uh, there in chapter in chapter 4 mm-hmm. of uh, 
of Abraham and him believing by faith and and different, because remember again, you know, Abraham was before Jesus uh, died on the cross, and so Paul's trying to show the case that look, Abraham, even though Jesus died before or Jesus died after, after. Yeah, yeah, and Abraham lived before, Abraham still showed faith in the coming Messiah, yeah. in the one who was who was to come, and through Abraham's descendants. Um, and, and I like what uh, I'm looking at, chapter 4, verse 13. It says, Clearly God promised to give the whole earth to Abraham and his descendants was based not on his obedience to God's law, but yeah. on a right relationship, relationship with God, one that comes by faith, faith. like you're saying. Mm-hmm. So again, the Jewish mind was always to, and even up into the New Testament, with the religious leaders, the Jewish mind was to, to depend on the law for a person to be saved. Right. And Paul says, no, no, it's it's all by faith, yeah. by grace through faith that a person is saved and, and not through any good things they're doing through the law. And how applicable is that today for a world that's trying to do good things in hopes that when the end comes, they will the good will outweigh the bad. Yeah. That's their thinking, at least. I mean, in, in verse 18, what did he say? He said, he believed, talking about uh, yeah. Abraham. It says, hoping against hope. Hmm. I like the way that says that. Hoping against hope so yeah. that he became the father of many nations. Yeah. And, of course, hope is confident expectation. It's, uh, it's to anticipate with pleasure. And uh, Abraham, he anticipated and, and that's and that's a big thing for him because, you know, it says in verse nineteen, Abraham's faith did not weaken even though he was about a hundred years of age, when his body. Yes, mm-hmm. my translation says he figured his body was as good as dead, and so was Sarah's mm-hmm. womb. Yeah, <laughs> and, and you have to imagine though, because that's that's a big deal for Abraham because, you know, God says I'm going to bless you and I'm going to have all these descendants through you, and Abraham said, Well, Lord, there's a problem. I don't have any children. Yeah. And uh, of course, and I'm he took, old. Yeah, and he was old. Of course, he took matters into his own hand first yeah. and he got in trouble for that. But needless to say, at the age of 100, he gives birth to Isaac. And of course, Isaac was the one. But yet, you know, 13, 14 years later, he says, Now I want you to take your one and only son, Isaac, and I want you to sacrifice him. And he does it faithfully, believing that God would, uh, that God would supply the need. Um, it says, Abraham. I like it. Mine says, Abraham, verse 20, never wavered in believing God's promise. In yeah. fact, his faith grew stronger, stronger, and in this he brought glory to God. To God. I yeah. like that because you know what? When you grow in your faith, that brings, as this text says, glory to God. It's a good thing. It shows him that that you want a relationship with him, you desire him, that you do things to get closer to him. Yeah. And in a world that's trying to pull us away from him, um, it's probably a breath of fresh air when God mm-hmm. looks down and sees people that are actually trying to do things to gain a closer relationship with him, to make their sacrifices yeah. sweet smelling in his, um, you know, to him. And here's Abraham, mm-hmm. that even though he had some struggles, he's still an example of faith. Yeah. And I think that's good for us. Yeah. Right? Because absolutely. we all fall short. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. And I, you know, just as uh, as you were you were talking about his being strengthened in faith, mm. that takes effort on our part. <laughs> I mean, we have to work at that. 
And I think it's a problem we got with a lot of folks is they don't work at exercising and uh, strengthening their faith. Uh, they follow after the things that are around them, the leadership that's around them, and they, mm-hmm. and they you know, always want somebody else to do the work yeah. and let me have the benefit. And that doesn't work with, with, our, with our faith. Yeah, that's, that's the number one thing. Yeah, I, just reading Scripture, just trying to develop a relationship. People just don't have it. They don't want to work. Well, we have trouble with people just not wanting to work, period, well, today. Yeah, <laughs> you know, with that. Yeah. But, yeah, because it takes time. It, you know, it, it, it takes exactly. work to do things. I mean, and, and to study scriptures, and you can't depend upon an hour a week. No. To be what gets you through mm, no. an hour a week on Sunday from the pastor preaching is not going to get you through for the entire week, you know. Even if it's something just little each and every day to focus your priority on Him, mm-hmm. um, it needs to be. But you know, I look at these these guys here in the Old Testament, even Abraham as an example. I mean, he didn't know how how the plan was all going to work out, but yet he had still faith, hoping for and looking towards the promise. We don't know how our lives are going to work out. We don't know the end of what our life is going to be, how many yeah. years, and this and that. But we have a hope because we know that when we leave this life, we're going to pass on to be in the presence of Jesus. And that gives us hope, knowing that God has a plan for our life. Yeah. And knowing that if we, you know, like this text says, if we are um, growing stronger each and every day, that's going to bring glory to God. And I want to mm. bring glory to my Father. Oh, I don't absolutely. want to someone else see me and as a result, have a bad feeling about the church or about Jesus or about mm-hmm. God or the way I react or the way I talk to someone. Mm-hmm. I want to bring them. I don't want to get in the way of it. It's kind of like, Lord, get me mm-hmm. out of the way if I'm well, ever I, I think in, in the way. Uh, earlier chapter here, he, talked, he told the, the Jews oh, that because yeah. of your failures, because <laughs> yep. of the way you act and everything, you caused the Gentiles to turn away. Yeah, yeah. And, 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 and that... It, that reminds me of the passage in Matthew 23 when Jesus was coming to the religious leaders, mm-hmm. and he said to the religious leaders exactly he's, those words. Basically, he said, "You have prevented yep. people from mm-hmm. entering mm-hmm. the kingdom of God because you have chosen not to see me as the Messiah for who I am, and you have told people to not follow me." Because that was the thing. If you think about when Jesus was on Earth, he um, um, uh, when he did all these miracles and signs and wonders, people were, were, were wondering, well, is this true? Is this the, really the Messiah? Is this really the Messiah? Is this really him? And if you're thinking during that time, where would you go to kind of get some godly counsel? You'd go to your leaders, leaders your rabbis, your yeah. religious leaders, and they would say, oh, no, 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 don't follow Jesus. Yeah, he's a prophet. Yeah, but he's not the Messiah. As you think about Abraham's faith uh, in chapter 4 and the fact that even though um, um he wasn't the brightest of all examples of living out faith. He still was faithful. And so because, and Paul kind of makes a transition here in chapter 4, therefore, mm-hmm. um, he's talking about justified. Since we've been justified with God, since we've been declared righteous, now we can have this peace. Now we can have this reconciliation. Now we can have this um, unhindered access and fellowship, as it were, to God. Yeah. And think about that. And that's all based upon what Jesus Christ did, because if Christ never came and died on a cross for our sins, then we would never be fully back reconciled to God, like Adam was before sin entered. Right. Because yeah. he wants to take us back, back to Eden, beginning. back to the original intent, because the original intent mm-hmm. was for Adam and Eve to have this yeah. un, uh, unhindered mm-hmm 
relationship Fish with God. Remember, it talks about how yeah. Adam and Eve were walking and talking with God, God in the garden. In the garden in the cold of the evening. Yeah. Exactly, not the song, <laughs> which is in the garden alone. That's another <laughs> song. It has the same, some of the same rings to it. Yeah. But this, this un, uh, unhindered. Um, of course, of course, today even sin gets in the way of that because we live in a yeah. sin cursed world. But thank the Lord because of what Jesus did. Yeah. Now we have complete oh, access. Now, because of what Jesus has done, we have that hope, mm-hmm. that confident yeah. expectation of knowing that we are going to be restored back even mm-hmm. better than I believe what yeah. Adam and Eve were. Yes, yes. Uh, when this is all said and done, we're going to inherit something oh, tremendous, yeah. folks. And uh, we can't even fathom what that's going to be. Yeah. Can you? Can't even imagine, can we? Yeah, but yeah. he's gonna he's gonna restore to us that great. And as Adam and Eve, they were made eternal in the beginning. They could have lived in that garden forever. Yeah. We are gonna be eternal. We we are gonna be, uh, have that eternal home of with Christ. It's gonna be great. Be great. Be better than before. Uh, I like what verse six says of chapter five. five. It says, mm-hmm. "When we were utterly helpless,", helpless. my translation says, mm-hmm. "Christ came at just the right time yeah. and died." For us sinners, he include, Paul includes mm-hmm. himself in there. Himself. Us sinners us. Mm-hmm. says now most people will not be willing to die for an upright person, though someone might perhaps be willing there. to die for a person who is especially good or a great person. But God showed His great love for us by sending His Son to die for us while well, we, we were, were sinners. sinners. Um, yeah. and, and again, he says, yeah. and we certainly have been made right in God's sight by the mm-hmm. blood of Christ, and He will certainly save us from God's condemnation. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know. You think what boggles my mind is that, you know, obviously God knows everything. We, we understand that. If you don't believe that, then you need to believe that because Scripture teaches <laughs> that God knows everything. God knows everything. He knew what sin was going to do to the world and to mankind. And yet he still decided to send his son to redeem us anyway. Yeah. He knew what sending his son into all this mess meant. Well, that plan was already anyway. established before he ever yeah. said, "Let there be anything." Yeah. I love that because it was never a, it was never a plan B. No, it was never always plan, plan A. B. Always went with plan A. Yeah. It always was the way it was supposed to work. And you say, "Well, how does that work?" I, I, you know, some things are far above our brains to figure out, right? Well, so I mean, Scripture says, tells us that <laughs> his, uh, his ways are much higher than ours. Yeah. His thoughts are much greater. Prophet than ours. Isaiah was a pretty smart yeah, he, fellow. Yeah, he, un- he, <laughs> he understood under- that. Yeah. He understood, yeah, because at the very beginning, remember in Isaiah chapter 6, when God said, Isaiah, I'm going to send you to this people, and I want you to minister to them, but they're never going to accept never your message. Gonna, and you kind of scratch your head thinking, well, Lord, why would you send me to the people, and yet knowing they would never hear my message. So I'm sure Isaiah had some conversations with God, uh-huh. trying to understand some things. Mm-hmm. And from Isaiah comes some great prophecies about Jesus and about who he was and about the coming kingdom in the future and at, and at Bethlehem and all those kinds oh, of things. My, yeah. But we're not talking about Isaiah. No. Sorry, we kind of get off on things. We're talking about Romans. but Well, in, in <laughs> verse 9 in chapter 5, it says that we have now been declared righteous by His blood, mm. by His blood. Yeah, the fact that Christ took our sins upon Himself, and we are declared righteous. That doesn't make us perfect. Yeah, you know, we we still stumble along the way. We still have faults, and uh, but we're not justified by by our actions in the flesh. We're justified by our faith and our knowledge of knowing Christ in our hearts. Yeah, I like that. 
verse 18 says, but Christ's one act of righteousness mm-hmm. brings a right relationship with mm-hmm. God anew. His one act, his once and for all act. Yep. It's by that one act and mm-hmm. by the blood of Christ. And, you know, we say... Uh, blood because it's important because even in the Old Testament, the blood of the sacrifice because the life is in in the blood blood. and that's why it's so important. Mm -hmm. So if Jesus didn't shed his blood, then his sacrifice wouldn't have taken, wouldn't have been worth it, would have been null and void. But because it was a sacrifice, it had to be for the life is in the blood because the blood is um, is what animates our bodies, really. Blood, that's what it does. It animates us and, and because the life is in the blood and that's why you know, mm-hmm. some of those things are very, very... It's not just a, a word you see every once in a while. There's a reason for it. It's by Christ's one sacrifice of himself by his blood, mm-hmm. because that's part of the sacrifice. Um, and I love how it's just by his one act, his, 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 his Adam's one sin of condom, one sin that Adam does that sends the world into all this sin, one, 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 one decision. Act. And then one act on God's part that fixes the problem. Yeah. It's not several; it's just one. You know, one thing here. Here's the fix for it. So yeah. simple, yeah. But yet so costly, yeah. Because we're talking about God's son. Both of those were costly. Yeah, both of them were. <laughs> Adam's decision was costly. Yeah. And uh, yeah. and for Jesus' sacrifice, it cost him everything. Hmm. But it brought to us everything. Yeah. <laughs> so as a result of that, Paul says. Since you've been saved by grace through faith, based upon the blood of Christ, now you're made righteous, you're declared righteous before God. So what then? Should we keep on sinning? Mm, Here's a (laughs) question again. Yep. (laughs) Since we have died to sin, how can we continue to live into sin? And chapter 6 and 7 really focus on, okay, we have this new relationship with Jesus. You know, he gave us everything. What it cost him to purchase our salvation was costly. Very costly. And so as a result, should we just throw it away and make it as not important? Mm-hmm. He says, no, you should now live a life that's trying to be pleasing to him. Mm-hmm. And, and he says, since we have died to sin, how can we continue to live into sin? How can we continue to live it? Now, again, you know, it's difficult because we still live in a sin-cursed world. Yeah. Sin still has the power here, Satan is still the prince of the power of the air. He and his yeah. minions and, and supernatural wickedness and evil forces, they're, they're, they're still all here trying to get us to do what's wrong, not to mention just our own sinful yeah, flesh. Our flesh. Yeah, we're <laughs> our in the own flesh. sinful yeah. bodies. So yeah. it's hard because we're fighting this battle with two masters. You know, We've accepted the master of Jesus, and so to speak, and you know we've become part of his kingdom, but yet the kingdom of darkness, Satan's kingdom, the kingdom of sin, is still warring with us. And we have, you know, in chapter 6 and especially chapter 7, we have this struggle back and forth, back and forth. Paul says, I know what's right to do, Says, but the but sin, sin is still there. Yeah, it's My still there, still, hmm. and it's still hard for me to do the right thing. I make I make a joke about this, and I say it's like when you go to McDonald's, okay, hmm. and you go to McDonald's and you go through the drive-through, and you're like, today I'm gonna be really good, okay, I'm gonna be really good. I'm gonna get the salad that they have. Um, I don't know if McDonald's salads are good. I'm guessing they are. I, I don't eat the salads at McDonald's. Uh, but if you do, that's great. Maybe you'll yeah. understand this. I don't know where they the even salad. have salad now. <laughs> well, we can use any restaurant. I'll get the salad. I'll get the water. 
yes, I'm going to do good today. I'm going to have a good meal, yeah. and I'm going to be, fa- you know, I'm going to be good. And you get through the drive through and you start staring at the menu for a little bit because you know how it takes a little while to get your food. Yeah. Drive <laughs> and you just, you know, you just blurt out. It just happens. Just get a Big Mac. I just want a Big Mac <laughs> with fries. <laughs> fries. But I want a Diet Coke. Um, at least I won't do too bad today. Diet Coke. It's like you go in, you know, and we get up in the morning, and we go about the world saying, and I don't think we get up in the morning saying, okay, I'm going to find ways that I can really send it up today. Mm-hmm. You know, we go out into the world thinking, I want to do well today. I want to be pleasing to my Savior. I want to help people. I want to do what Scripture tells me to do. And then you get into situations and sin is great and the temptation is great. And if we're not careful, it's easy just to fall right in. And that's what Paul's saying. He's saying, I have this struggle. I know what's right to do, but I end up doing what's wrong. I know I shouldn't do this, but mm-hmm. I still do it. He's like, he's like, I, I, I'm so conflicted in my spirit. He says, oh, yeah. in my mind, I want to obey God's law, but because of my sinful nature, I am still a slave to sin. And so he's 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 grieving for the day when all of that will be be done away with. Yeah, yeah. will be done away with, and our salvation yeah. will be complete. Um, those chapters, chapter six and seven, are some um, well written on chapters. Yeah. Um, and a lot of chapters in, in the book of Romans have lots of information written on them. Um, but you just see the struggle with sin. And, and, and I take comfort because if Paul struggled with it, oh my. I feel better. Yeah. <laughs> you know, if, if he, the example of all examples next mm-hmm. to Jesus, Paul, at least in the New Testament here, if he struggled with it, Oh, absolutely. I'm glad that, that he struggled with it. It kind of makes me feel better. <laughs> yeah, but we don't need to use it as an excuse. You <laughs> That's know? true. I hear so many times people will say, well, God knows that I'm just human. Well, that's not an excuse to sin. <laughs> you you got to try to keep improving and yeah, you can moving only, forward. Yeah, you can only use that so many times, yeah, I right? Know. Yeah. I mean, obviously, I wonder he how, how God feels about that in years, yeah. I'll say. Uh, yeah, I, mm. I wonder. Mm. But yet every single time, you know, if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins. Oh, yeah. Um, and so, you know, you know, part of this struggle is that because we live in a sin-cursed world, we're going to have this struggle. But don't let that discourage you because Jesus says, you know, you come to me each day, confess those sins. You do something wrong, then take care of it right there. Stay current. Stay up to date. Don't let something, uh, don't let you, don't, don't get into where your sin becomes a besetting sin. Mm-hmm. And, yeah. you know, it could become that if you don't get it right or get it fixed. That's and so right. it's part of, and that's why each day, we need to be reading Scripture, praying, asking God to show us things, yeah, Paul and, said that. and growing. I die daily. Exactly. I exactly. die daily. He, I, exactly. I die daily. Yeah. I die daily, and that doesn't mean you know dying, but he, what he's saying is that I die, die to self. Yeah, I die to self daily. That's yeah. what Paul says because each day it's a battle, isn't it? It's a battle each mm-hmm. day, and maybe that's it. Maybe maybe that should be. Then your feet hit the floor, and you get out of the bed, and Satan's standing right there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Or or it's your body. Yeah, <laughs> or it's your body. <laughs> Sometimes yeah. you put your feet on the ground and your body doesn't want to yeah. work and you're like, oh man, this yeah. is gonna be a hard day. A hard day. But yeah. one day we'll get to rest. And actually, you no, know, I was talking to a friend about that the other day. I said it'd be nice, you know, when you get to heaven, you can just sleep. And then I thought, well, wait a minute. Well, there's no night and no day and no need to no sleep. sleep. So I'm like, oh, that's not going to be very fun, is it? We can't sleep. <laughs> so I was like, okay, well, then we need to sleep here on this earth. But then there's so much to do for Christ here. 
You know, and you look at Paul and look at all the things he did. I mean, even while, like Pastor was talking about this last uh, uh, this last week, he was in prison and he was still doing things. Still doing things, right. In prison. He was still doing things. I mean, John uh, Bunyan, who wrote Pilgrim's Progress, he wrote it from a prison cell. Um, and mm-hmm. and there's still much, much, much to do. But I think what you said, I die daily. Mm-hmm. I think that's a good yeah. assessment of really this sanctification part, this this what do we do after salvation? You know, the decision is the easy part, isn't it? Mm-hmm. It's the following that becomes the oh, hard part. Oh, that's right, yeah. And I think that I die daily is a good way of saying it. Mm-hmm. Um, and those are not Bill's words. Those are Paul's words. Paul's words. And uh, I think he's a good example for us to follow. Absolutely. Well, yeah. I think I think our time um, is pretty well finished for today. Again, didn't get through a lot, but hopefully maybe you got at least kind of the flow of the argument and what Paul's trying to do. Next week we'll talk about Romans 8, um, living a life that's glorifying, and then 9, 10, 11 about Israel and how they still fit into God's plan. Mm-hmm. And then about chapter 12, now that we know all this, because what oh, Paul does yeah. is, you know, chapter 1 through 11, it's all doctrine, doctrine, doctrine. And he says, now, now that you know all this, now you need to start doing something about it because every bit of theology has to be practical. Yep. Every bit of doctrine in here has got to be practical. And that's what Paul does. He takes those first 11 chapters, and therefore you get to chapter 12. And, and mm-hmm. as a result of what I've done, the logical thing, yeah. the, the most basic thing you should do is live your life in service, present mm-hmm. your bodies to me, mm-hmm. live a life in service to God. That's the most logical thing you should do. At least that's Paul's argument. But next week we'll yeah. get to that in chapters 8 through 16. That's all for this week. Again, if you have any questions, send them to Bible reading at lmbc.org, and we can answer those questions through email or maybe uh, through our podcast if we get a chance to do that. Um, so that's all for this week. So spend time reading through Romans. Uh, this week is 1 through 8. And again, read it slow. Read it again. There's a lot here, but I hope we've at least helped you to see some of the bigger picture stuff. So that's all for this week. We'll see you guys next time.